At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. In the fairy court system, unneighborly conduct is considered particularly heinous. In the Irish countryside, the dedicated cryptozoologists who investigate these folkloric stories are members of an elite podcast known as the Cryptid Keeper. These are their stories. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper podcast, episode four, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That means us, and if you're listening, it means you too. So we're glad to have you here. I am Alex Flanagan. Yes. And I always will be. <laughs> you don't know that, really, but <laughs> for the for the duration of this episode, at least, <laughs> hopefully, I am Addison Peacock, and uh, I am not a bird. I'm really glad you felt like that needed clarifying. <laughs> also, please just leave that pause in there when you're editing this. Anyway, welcome back. Um, if you've been with us for the first few episodes, if this is your first go-round, then we encourage you to go back and listen to the others. You're missing some primo Owen Wilson-related content, and I know you want that in your lives. Wow. Wow. Owen, Amazing. what are you doing here? Well, this is our special guest for this week. Um, actually, no, our special guest for this week is, I think, probably the... Um, good, good friend of mine, St. Patrick. Oh, St. Patrick. It is his day, right? I believe, if I'm calculating correctly... It's close to his ...that day. this is being released on his day, although it may be a day or two off. Okay. Close to his day. Close it's still his, to his season. Day. Shamrock shakes are at McDonald's. Everything's Spring is green. in the air. Everything's green. And, most of all, which I'm sure would be most delightful to him, we are doing our fourth episode on Irish fairy lore. Yeah. That's F-A-E... R-I-E. Fairy. Fairy. Not to be confused with other sorts of fairies. There's actually a huge and distinct difference. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We are not talking about any Tinkerbell kind of stuff, although Tinkerbell has some vengeful moments that might put her in the right Yeah, Tinkerbell, rarely enough, actually fits, like, the fairy conceit a lot more than a lot of other modern-day fairies. And she's probably not the best example. I just kind of... She's the most famous fairy I can think of, and I love her because I, too, <laughs> will die if people don't give me enough attention and applause. <laughs> there was another Tinkerbell joke on this podcast. What was it? Was that... It was episode one. Okay, yeah. If you believe in a tulpa, it's real, just right, like fairies. Right, Just like Peter Tinkerbell. Pan. Tinkerbell's a tulpa. But yeah. she might also be a member of the Unsealy Court. We'll get to exactly. that. Exactly. All right, so anyway, I'm going to turn the... Tur- I'm going to turn, speaking of court, uh, you are now going to be holding court over oh, all of us here. I am holding uh, Cryptid Keeper Court today. Yes, you are. Well, thank you. You're the keeper. This is a subject, actually, that is very near and dear to my heart. In case none of you were following me on Twitter or listened to the first part of this podcast... My last name is Flanagan, which, as you can probably assume, means that there's some sort of Irish ancestry there roundabout somewhere. Um, I do have family in Ireland. I love them very much. They are not directly related to me by blood, but I stayed with them for several days when I was doing a performance tour in Ireland um, a couple years ago, and it was just a super charming time. I fell completely in love with the land, as I think anybody who ever visits Ireland is bound to do. Mm -hmm. It's an absolutely charming and beautiful country. The people are just magnificent, and there is probably no place on earth that I would recommend to anybody more strongly than Ireland. It's just a really, really wonderful place to visit. It's one of those places that I think carries with it an inherent sense of magic. It's very easy to believe when you're standing on the cliffs of Moor or when you're just, even just like riding in a car on the wrong side of the road past all um, just the greenery and the rolling hills and the tons of sheep and the stone walls and just kind of the oldness of it all. It feels very reasonable that there would be fairies and all these other entities that are outside of human society kind of 
roaming. Yeah, and something that's really cool about fairies and the role that they play in Irish culture is that, unlike sort of anything I can think of over here, the role that fairies play in Irish culture is much, much more cultural and historical than it is mythological. It's not superstitious. There's not really a sense of you believe in fairies or you don't. There is a sense of like, fairies are a thing that are here. And even if you don't believe in them, you're going to respect them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are places in Ireland that you will not build or roads you will not walk down at night because that's where fairies go. So you can be the most rational, you know, factual, uh, seeing is believing kind of person on the face of the earth. But if you are in Ireland, you will obey fairy rules. That's just something you have to know straight up. So that's what I'm going to give you. Um, so fairies. Where do they come from? What do they do? What are they like? Contrary to a lot of the imagery that pop culture has sort of painted for us nowadays in the 21st century, fairies are not the sprightly little helpful do-gooders that we want them to be. Fairies, Wait, are you telling me the Keebler elves are not camped out in a tree trunk somewhere making me delicious cookies? I mean, that's probably factual. I'm just saying they're <laughs> not you. fairies. Okay, thank God. I, you had me really, really worried for a second. I really <laughs> want you to make sure you know. I would love to live in a world where the Keebler elves were depicted as fairies. I would love nothing more than to have the idea of, like, a small, kindly sort of gnome man who makes cookies for people that he personally likes and then also straight up ravages and plunders the households of people who, like, leave bad reviews on his Nabisco page. <laughs> like, that delights me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to have any sort of quick discussion about fairies because the culture that sort of ensconces them goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Interestingly enough, a few quick facts for you. Ireland did not have a ghost tradition before probably the 1100s. So way back when, um, there was really no concept of spirituality as it pertained to mm -hmm. like ghosts coming back and haunting places. There are a lot of places over there we think of as being haunted now, but that concept didn't exist prior to, I think, like 1150, roughly. And then there was not a concept of demon mythology until Roman Catholicism sort of made its way over there and really infiltrated the culture there. So prior to 1100, fairies were the prevailing spiritual explanation for just about anything in the everyday. Okay. Um, so when you're talking about leprechauns, when you're talking about sprites, when you're talking about nymphs, any of that sort of idea, it all falls into this fairy culture. And fairies are largely assumed to be humanoid creatures. We know that mm -hmm. they, they look and act actually a lot like humans. Fairy morality is very similar to human morality. They hold grudges. They tend to assume that the same qualities we think are good are good for them as well. In general, a lot of fairy culture and fairy wrongdoing revolves around the idea of being hospitable. So traits that you would ascribe to good neighbors are good traits that you would ascribe to bad neighbors are very, very bad and mm. cannot be forgiven under any circumstances. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So um, it seems a bit like they're just sort of neighbors to humans. Like it's uh, the idea of a neighboring species a little bit, or maybe they think of us as the neighboring species. I'm sure they think of themselves as... A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think fairies would think of themselves probably as, if not the dominant species, then certainly the original species. Yeah. I think that fairies would consider themselves to be the rightful owners of any land that they inhabit, even if they recognize that they are not the dominant force there right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that ultimately, um, a lot of the people who live around fairies would agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of discussion to be had there about the respect for the sort of prevailing fairy tradition. Mm -hmm. um, but getting back to the way that they sort of handle themselves in their society and their culture, um, fairies are referred to by a lot of different names. They're called most often the good neighbors, the little folk, the mm -hmm. good people, um, anything in that sort of general diminutive there. I remember reading about that. They, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they 
like it when people talk nicely about them. I'm not no, saying absolutely. they're arrogant, but they like to hear good things about themselves. And you know what? I relate to that and I get it. So <laughs> it's fair. Fairy. Goodbye. Okay, Actually, I'm I have sorry. a quick question. That was a fairy good pun and you know it. Goodbye. What's your question? Um, my question is, and this might be a really silly question. So I'm going to just like, I'm going to express it with the silliness that it necessitates. Just like, are they really little? Are they little? Like, are they, are they little? Are they little guys? Are they little? <laughs> they are a little How smaller. They? They, they are little, but they are probably not quite as little as you are imagining them. Okay. So like, just to go back to reference point, Tinkerbell? Mm-hmm. Probably too little. Okay. They're probably not quite that little. So they're not like getting stuck in keyholes. They're big enough for you to dance with. They're big enough for you to dance with, but I can dance with anything. What you're ignoring here is the fact that I'll dance with anything. Um, okay. So, so what they're... is big enough to dance with? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say the most common interpretation of, okay, well, you know, and there's some different, some different interpretations here. Don't tell me how small the things I dance with can be. Okay. The, <laughs> sort of the smallest commonality I've seen for the size of a fairy would be maybe the size of Shoot, what's a good reference point? Like, maybe the size of, like, a... I'll do 20 like questions a, with you. Is it bigger than a bread box? Some. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I would say that some fairies could probably be roughly the size of a bread box or slightly smaller. Okay. Um, some of them range upward to being described the size of, like, human children. So okay. you've got some range there. Okay. Um, but they are little. They're, they are called the little folk, and that is yes. with good reason. So they are smaller than humans are. But are they nature. smaller than even your garden variety human little people, though? Like actually, you know, would be a really good, a really really good reference point for fairies and fairy culture is actually the Artemis Fowl series by Owen Colfer. <gasps> I love those books. Okay, yeah, those books were like a staple of my childhood growing up, and they actually do one of the most interesting and nuanced sort of like. And it's like weirdly alt-future depictions Mm -hmm. of um, fairy culture and fairy technology. But Mm -hmm. I would say that pretty much for the most part, the physical descriptions found therein are going to be fairly Mm -hmm. accurate. I have one more one more peanut gallery question, and then I'll turn it back to you. So, So basically what I'm trying to wrap my mind around is say one great love of my life and esteemed, talented actor Peter Dinklage is entering a fairy fairy run area do they immediately see him and go that's a human being or would they maybe question for a moment if he's like a a friend they immediately see him and they welcome him home as he is their king (laughs) i think i broke her I love Peter Dinklage so much, and I just want to make sure everyone knows really quickly that I am not being ironic at all. I genuinely think he is one of the most handsome men I've ever seen, and I think it's just because he's so talented and he has this, like, commanding spirit and just exudes power, but I am extremely attracted to Peter Dinklage, and I just want to make sure everyone knows that I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. The fairies probably love him, too. I'm sure they do. the fairies, honestly, if, like, Peter Dinklage were straight up to go to a fairy ring or, like, a fairy-inhabited area right Mm now, it is quite possible that some enterprising young fairy would take him as a lover. You know what? That's fair, because he's beautiful. That, well, no, and that's also just a thing fairies do. They take human They take human lovers? They oh, take... yeah, quite frequently. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they are There's got to be a, a genre of erotica about that. There is. Oh, <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> well, there is, and I'm not going to get into it, because it's not my thing. No, fair. But fair. Um, there fair. are some really interesting like YA books out there about that sort of thing. <gasps> Yeah. Um, if you're thinking of Tithe by Holly Black, mm-hmm. that's a really interesting Ironside. depiction. Yes, those books have an interesting sort of depiction of the power dynamic of the next thing I'm going to talk about, which is yes. um, much like New York City, the fairies have a very complicated court system. And these are their stories. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun. Thank you. We can go. I'm going to leave a space right here for you to go ahead and put the actual sound effect in, too. Da, 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 da. 
It goes there. Don't sue us, please. Okay. So in terms of fairy speak, there are two different courts that fairies can belong to. And I'm not talking about actually like the judicial and the state court. Like I'm talking about kingdoms roughly, although they're not like one established kingdom and the other established opposing kingdom. They're sort of two like veins of fairy thought, maybe. Mm, Okay. Um, so there like is the political parties almost kind of. I guess you could say that the fairies have like a bipartisan system going on. Okay, amazing. There might be like third party libertarians out there, but I don't know about them. Damn it, <laughs> libertarians, no. But for the most part, there is the Seely Court, S E E L I E, and the Unseely Court, which is probably the most direct way you can think of for saying it. I think <laughs> that's like, like if one of our political parties was just called the Not Republican Party. I mean, I think it would be more accurately if Dr. Seuss like wrote a book and was like, "Look, you have the Sneech." and the not snitches. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> it's true. the sealies and the unsealies. And it's easy to remember because the sealies are, like, quote-unquote, the good fairies. If you're going to have any sort of late-night encounter with a fairy, you want it to be a sealie. The unsealies embody all of those qualities of sort of non-neighborliness that we talk mm. about. They're fine with each other, but they're not particularly inclined to treat humans kindly. Okay. So sealies, for the most part... Or like anything else in wildlife, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Just like told them, told mess with them, it's not going to be a problem. Like, just don't spook them. Sealies have even been known actually to commit acts of kindness for humans. Is that like a, what a brownie would fall under? Yes, yes. Brownies would definitely be considered under the sealy sort of umbrella. Or like the cr- the critters in the the shoemaker. You know the story with the elves. Yeah, and the, the shoemaker. shoemaker and the elves. Yeah. There's a really great Muppet rendition of that story. Actually, That's <laughs> if you've wonderful. never seen it, I really recommend it. That's wonderful. Okay. It's great. Um, Amazing. But. Yes, sealies can be generally helpful. If you treat them with kindness, they will absolutely reciprocate the favor. They're mm-hmm. really great. Um, and sealies would be the kind to, you know, want to just, like, revel and have a bunch of parties. Fairies okay. love dancing. They love being more clever than you. Mm-hmm. That I mean, like, I can relate. Those are also two of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, here's the thing. You mentioned the dancing and the parties. And I've yes. heard that even when they're the nicer fairies, like certain college organizations like fraternities i've heard you should exercise extreme caution when you party with fairies even if they're of the nicer court because you absolutely should okay um yeah so one major rule of thumb don't step into a fairy ring that i know if you step into a fairy ring you have to be prepared to basically dance until you die of exhaustion and it's not necessarily malevolent that's how a friend of abraham lincoln's died through fairies no, from dancing too long at a party. Yeah, it was fairies. Oh my god. Okay, yes, sorry. Um, anyway, they didn't tell you that in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> but the thing is that even like when fairies are not necessarily being malicious in some of these things sometimes, they just don't have a physical understanding of the limitations of humans because mm. they don't have those same limitations. So kind of like when you would be dealing with a child, their sort of logic does not necessarily extend to considering the ways in which you operate. They're not particularly empathetic creatures. Mm. They can be sympathetic. They can do nice deeds for you. They can help you out if your farmland needs tilling or if you um, are falling on a package of hard luck. They might gift you with fairy treasure if you've been particularly kind to them. If you save them from a misfortune, then mm. they might have a favor to gift you later on. Yeah. Um, if you've been a particularly wonderful lover to them and they really like that, then they will bestow good fortune on you. But they just fundamentally don't know and don't necessarily care to know what it is that defines human existence. They just don't have a concept of it. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, and by contrast, the unsealy fairies would be the ones to just, like, straight up steal your kid, leave you a changeling, curse your house, um, mm-hmm. dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow, that kind of deal. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, so it's like, 
Yeah, so the ones that cause like mischief and anything from po- your crops failing to whatever else, a more extreme kind of misfortunes, that's unsealing. Yeah, mostly. So that could be either sealies or unsealies. The difference is if it's unprovoked, it's going to be the unsealies. Okay, the sealies are the basically scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Um, yes. And it also works vice versa with negative things. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I hesitate to call them, like, the good guys and the bad guys, because that's not really how they operate. The sealies are good neighbors, and the unsealies are bad neighbors. Not so, necessarily good or bad people right, or exactly, entities. Yes, exactly. Okay. If you treat sealies well, they'll treat you well. If you treat unsealies well, they don't care. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they care. They would love for that. Like, they, they just want you to gonna... give them gifts. They're just not going to reciprocate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I, I, I was wondering um, if you... Could talk about and obviously this this lore has been around for so long there's no way to pinpoint like individual like quote-unquote encounters or sightings but rather what uh physical encounters with or sightings of these uh different entities can look like or has been like or if there's any particularly notable stories yeah you know? so that's a really good question mm-hmm. and it's actually super fascinating because fairies are hard to pin down in that even dating as far back as, like, the 17 and 1800s, there are examples of fairy-related hoaxes oh, of right. people trying to create experiences of having seen fairies. And I think what's so fascinating about that is that there are a lot of people who are totally willing to believe in fairies sight unseen. But there are people who, despite that, still want so desperately to be the ones to have had a definitive encounter with fairies that mm-hmm. they will go to crazy lengths to fake it. Mm-hmm. There were these two sisters... Um, and I, for the life of me, cannot remember their name. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember you know their exactly name, but uh, they befriended Arthur Conan Doyle. This elaborate photographic hoax. Yes. Um, and for a while, these fo- this was like, okay, this was pre-Photoshop. This was way pre-Photoshop because this was in the era of Arthur Conan Doyle. And so long before anybody had fancy lenses or Photoshop or like scrims or green screens or anything like that, these girls constructed photographs of them with fairies in their garden that were so convincing that skeptics were at a loss to disprove them. Like, and for several years, these photos stood as near conclusive evidence of fairy encounters. I mean, there was just no getting around it. Mm -hmm. Now, it turns out that they had faked them. They were using these just elaborate paper cutouts and very thin string that you couldn't see when the lighting was right to sort of suspend the fairies. But it's, to this day, a marvel, sort of, of visual Mm -hmm. engineering. Or, or, or... Or, alternate theory, fairies were real in the pictures, and then they got really, really mad because they didn't know they were being photographed and said to those girls, hey, make it right. I don't want everybody in my business. I don't want the paparazzi banging down the door of my little, like, toadstool house. And they said, okay, we'll tell them all it was a lie. And it never was. Um, actually, not too unlikely. What would be more likely would be that the fairies got pissed about having their picture taken mm-hmm. and literally did something to erase the girls' memories of having actually been with them. Oh my god, they men and blacked it. They might have, yeah. I like that. I like that idea. I like that theory. That's, I think, much more likely because I think if you're if you're giving fairies the sort of, if you're ascribing to them the quality of going to somebody and trying to talk about, like, hey, listen, I don't like what you did, mm-hmm. you're fundamentally misunderstanding fairies. That's not going <laughs> to okay, happen that's ever. Fair. <laughs> I, I, would, I would say, though, I am inclined to believe that that one is a hoax just because my understanding of fairies and the way that they look, like, the pictures, I've seen the photographs, and they are very beautiful and they are very interesting, but the fairies in those pictures look very storybook. They're very pretty and, like, 
fragile and they look kind of tinkerbelly and like they do and those are actually much much closer to what would probably be a british children's storybook understanding of fairies than what is like actual irish fairy lore exactly which is i think (laughs) and maybe this is me being naive but the only reason i'm inclined to believe them that it's a hoax is because i don't think they look correct you know i mean that's all you have to go on at that point in time honestly what now now here's the question looking to irish folklore and just in case I ever am in a situation where I am walking through uh, an isolated part of Ireland and I'm looking around and I see something moving and I'm not quite sure what it is and I want to make sure I can identify it, what do they? What are they described as tending to actually look like? Is there really any description of them? I feel like there has to be a certain amount. Um, there would be. Yeah, it's hard to say definitively. I think, honestly, and this is a super unhelpful answer, if you see one, you'll know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the fairy is going to go to any efforts. If you're going to see a fairy that is careless enough to be seen by humans when it doesn't want to be seen, you're going to see it enough to know that it's a fairy. If you're seeing a fairy that, for whatever reason, wants to be seen by humans it's going to want you to know that it's a fairy. Yeah. Oh, true. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And are there any people that you can think of or any uh, stories you've read of people claiming to maybe not have seen them but have had dealings with them? They're all over the place. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no one, like, definitive experience I can think of. A lot of mm-hmm. them are folk tales passed down, like, of saying, like, oh, your grandfather, this and that and the other thing, to fairies, or, like, mm-hmm. that fairy encounters have been in the family, or that, you know, you've heard a story of someone mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever ago who encountered a fairy. It's also hard because fairy is sort of a broad term. It could mean anything from you actually physically think you you saw a fairy to you were walking through a graveyard late at night and you felt set upon by some presence or some energy mm-hmm. and it was a fairy. Uh-huh. You know, you just, you know it was a fairy because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say fairies, um, as you were breaking it down, it sounds like fairies are less a specific race of, of, of creatures and more like a designation that they fall under. Like feline is not just the house cat. It's like all of these different things. It sounds like there's a whole lot of variation. I would say that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I would say that's a fair way of looking at it. Um, a fairy way. A fairy way of looking at it. Ha 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 ha. And the fair folk is another name for them. Oh, yes. That I forgot earlier, which is where fairy comes from. Oh. Um, so that's <laughs> clearing that up for you. Is that fair as in just or fair as in pretty? Um, I think it's fair as in more like pretty, but not like pretty isn't quite the right you know, yeah. translation of it. It would be more like, um, it's more like fair as in pleasing to the senses, you know? Mm. Yes. Uh, Oh, I meant to ask, uh, this is always something very important to cover, uh, survival tips. Now, I know it's obviously pretty easy, it sounds like, to deal with the Sealy court because you just, if you're nice to them, they're going to be fine to you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like you really need a lot of survival tips there except for just general politeness. But in terms of more malevolent, more malevolent fairies or one that has decided it has a problem with you, what are some ways to ward that off or protect yourself? Right. So um, the first thing that makes it difficult is that it's really easy to offend a fairy without knowing you've done so. Oh, no. Um, Because, I mean, who even knows? Like, just like me on a bad day, it... Sometimes the things that piss me off, I don't even understand. (laughs) So, like, if you just happened to live in a place that the fairies decided was encroaching on their land, they might be mad at you. If you 
um, owned a particular animal or, or livestock that infringed upon the fairies somehow, they would take that out on you. If you um, wore the same outfit as them on a day and went to a party dressed in the same dress. Oh, fairies hate that. <laughs> yeah, they hate that. But if we're talking about survival tips, you shouldn't be going to fairy parties anyway. No, I know. They're not true. meant for you. They don't belong to you. <laughs> don't appropriate that. Don't okay? appropriate fairy rave culture. <laughs> Um, yeah, you are, it's like the kind of thing, you would go to a fairy party and you would have an amazing time. Like, no party ever in the rest of your life would match up to that for you, which is probably a good enough reason not to do it, because, like, you're just gonna kill your social vibe. It's like doing ecstasy. <laughs> it's a lot like doing ecstasy, actually. Did fairies invent ecstasy? They might have. Um, I'm not gonna conclusively say they did or didn't. I'm gonna do some ecstasy at a fairy party. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. <laughs> do not do that. I didn't mean do it. Do not. If any of them are listening, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm not going to crash your party, and I'm not gonna do drugs at your party. <laughs> and if my parents are listening, I will not and have never done drugs. Good. Yes. Anyway, the okay. best strategy for fairy survival is avoidance. Mm, okay. Just stay away. Just say no, kids. Just <laughs> just say no. Stay away from the unsealy court. Um, don't step into fairy rings, as mm -hmm. we previously discussed. Don't do anything to upset or mess with a fairy mound or, mm -hmm. like, a sacred fairy grove. I know iron is a big Iron thing. is what I was going to bring up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Iron is, like, extremely intolerable to them. Okay. So, if you want to go around wearing a full suit of iron, they can't touch you. <laughs> if to be a little bit more morbid, and I'm not recommending human-on-fairy violence, you had an iron weapon, that would certainly be a great defense against fairies of the more unseemly, unseely variety. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just, I guess, something small, like an iron... Um... If you wear, like, an iron ring and you yeah. grab them then, yeah, yes. that's that's enough to certainly leave a nasty impression. Or I've, I've heard um, laying iron in your doorways mm -hmm. at night and yep. that sort of thing. Okay. And then if you did want to cozy up to a nicer fairy and get them to do some favors, I, I, I've read you can, like, leave them leave them presents and stuff. What sort of things... Flattery will get you everywhere. Oh, what sort of presents do they want? Um, That's a good question. If I'm Christmas shopping for the fairy in my life. Okay, if I'm, like, making you a BuzzFeed listicle of, like, yeah. 25 Christmas gifts for your special fairy someone... <laughs> Um, to have a, a very fairy Christmas. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, fairies almost certainly don't celebrate Christmas. And they also probably hate puns. No, they love those. <laughs> really? Oh, they love them. <laughs> they love them so much. You don't even know. I feel like you're just saying I'm that. every fairy's favorite podcast host, just, just on sheer wordplay alone. <laughs> they love that. And they love it. Oh, they're thrilled. And they definitely love podcasts. They love podcasts. <laughs> you could get them a subscription to Cryptid Keeper. That would be number one on the list. <laughs> I've read, like, bowls of, like, milk and stuff, but I feel like that might be a little outdated. Uh, no, they do, actually. They, they're like they cats? like bowls of milk. Like I mean, stray cats? I would not call them, like, stray cats, simply because they would probably hate <laughs> that comparison. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Um, They're noble and beautiful and very good. <laughs> it's it's difficult to say. Like, now, some descriptions would say gold. Um, okay, because, well, I don't have money for that. Well, then you're not going to get yourself a fairy bow. <laughs> well. Oh, yeah, but uh, gold, they love gold. I was hoping one of them would retune my piano, but, like, okay. Mm, I mean... A brownie uh, would do that. A brownie might do that. A brownie yeah, would do that. A brownie might do that. Um, you could... Um, but they love flattery. Mm -hmm. um, Would it now? Uh, most knowing, of them love flowers. Mm -hmm. Well, I like flowers and flattery. Knowing what we know about how delicate the egos of uh, the fair folk mm -hmm. are, I do have to make a point and ask: Would a fairy ever opt to do something like run for office in America? Would a fairy ever try to run for office in America? I'm just saying that I get what you're saying. However, I think that based solely on complexion alone, you can't necessarily <laughs> call Donald Trump one of the fair folk. Like they're just. <laughs> 
one of the orange folk. That is a pun as well. No, fairies wouldn't want that kind of exposure. You're right. That's true. They they don't. Well, also they have their own. If they have courts, I imagine they have their own politics to mm-hmm. deal with. Yes. They don't want to get involved with politics of a world they're not that invested in. Right. So something we actually skipped over that I oh, find yes, super interesting. We've talked about where fairies come from. A sort of cultural standpoint. Mm -hmm. We have not yet talked about where fairies come from a mythological standpoint, where fairies sort of originate. So we know that the ghost story tradition did not come to Ireland until like the 1100s. And we know that Roman Catholicism did not bring their sort of demon tradition until after that. Okay. Um, So there are a couple different explanations for where the idea of like these fairy cultures and fairy ideas come from. Some people, or some explanations in like the post-religious sense, believe that fairies are either fallen angels who didn't make it to hell, but instead repopulated as a sort of like sub race here on earth and have therefore spiritual powers, but don't really want to be among humans and mingling with them. Mm. Some people believe that fairies actually are the children of Eve. Oh. Yeah. So like a race of children spawned from Eve who had to hide them from God because they were dirty. Interesting. Also interesting. Some of the more probable stories indicate that when conquest was happening in Ireland and like the original Celt populations were sort of having to deal with this, that there was maybe a sub-tribe of people that escaped to the caves and were living underground and sort of foraging off the land and managed to sort of do so in such isolation that later on, all people had to record them of was to maybe talk about, as a means of survival and hope for themselves, the group of people who had escaped and lived off the land. And over time, that story tradition sort of evolved into this idea of an actual different race of supernatural beings. You know, anytime you pass down a story over generations, like the telephone game, it's going to pick up a lot of information Mm -hmm. and a lot of sort of variations on a theme along the way. And this Mm -hmm. particular idea is that it really was just a group of Irish people who were sort of elevated to this cultural, spiritual status later on by their feats of cleverness and resourcefulness, which, of course, are inherent traits of the sort of fairy culture. Now, of course, fairies are real. Uh, Absolutely. So I wanted to ask, what are their... Because we talk about this a lot with different uh, various cryptids that we cover. What are their motivations? Like, what do they want? And obviously, it's a little bit rude of me to turn them into a conglomerate of sorts because they are all, of course, individuals. (laughs) So I will not make assumptions about all of fairy kind based on the actions of a few. But in general, what do they really... What do they want? They want to live a good life with a lot of influence without having to deal with humans. (laughs) I mean... That's respectable. Yeah, I mean, and they're not totally, again, opposed to the idea of humans. There is a lot of um, pop culture or ancient culture or mythos that varies on this, or that sort of paints fairies as, like, more sort of resentful of the role in which humans have occupied the land that they feel belongs to them. Mm. There's a very, very strong connection between fairies and the earth, obviously. Wait, humans never take land that doesn't belong to them and misuse it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Thank you. These are their stories. <laughs> uh, serious thing, actually, speaking of that, I do have to bring up, though, while you say they mostly just want to live a good life, I do have to bring up that sometimes fairies do some kind of messed up stuff. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but, but, changelings. Sometimes they will just steal a baby. Yes. They will steal a baby. Yes. Why? Well. That's so, I got so, I got so worked up just now. Well, Why would they steal a baby? They're not just stealing a baby. They're replacing it with their own baby. Why would they want to do that? Well, um, there are actually a lot of animals in the biological kingdom that exhibit similar behaviors. <gasps> oh my god, it's the cuckoo's bird. It's the cuckoo bird. Well, what is it? It's the cuckoo's nest. 
Kind so. of. Yeah. No, I mean, there definitely is something to be said for the idea of, like, I have a fairy kid, and I want this kid to grow up in a position of power and wealth, and so I'm going to leave it to be raised as a human child. Um, or, honestly, there are some interpretations that fairies leave their kids with humans because they want to go be um, a party mom, and they want the human to raise their kid, and they'll come back and get it later. Or... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's a babysitting situation that the other party did not agree to. <laughs> it's fairy teen mom. It's great. Oh. Um, there is a, another explanation that is... They basically um, are just super curious and possessive and want to have a human child to raise as their own. Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting. There's like a whole bunch of different stuff going on here. Nobody's really sure. At best, it's speculation. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of just storytelling. So honestly, mm -hmm. sometimes whatever makes the best story is going to be the explanation. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to commit to being okay with that. That's true. And I, I do have to, because we always like to talk about the kind of skeptic's point of view, because of course fairies are real, but... There are a lot of theories that the changeling mythology or the changeling idea comes from when people had, and this is a little bit, gets a little bit dark, a little bit sad, had children with either disabilities or um, neurological disorders that they didn't know how to explain mm -hmm. or understand their behavior. So obviously they would just leap to, this is not a human baby, which is, if true, and there are not changelings and that was the case, very, very distressing and really speaks to the way our understanding of disability has changed over the years. And It does speak to a very limited understanding. It speaks to something inherently fascinating, though, about what features depict someone as inherently fairy-like. Um, children born with Down syndrome possess a lot of features that inherently set them apart as looking perpetually childlike. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it would be very easy for someone who did not have an understanding of that condition to look at a child of that nature and say that this is a child that looks almost doll-like. Or like a fairy. A child that looks like a fairy. Uh, but then again, of course, uh, fairies are real and maybe sometimes they take babies. <laughs> I mean, it's a possibility. Maybe it is just fairy teen mom. I think we have to consider that possibility. I think we have to consider that it's fairy teen mom. Honestly, I would give anything for a whole spinoff of fairy-related reality shows. Like, I would watch uh, The Heck. But they're so private, they don't want to... I would watch The Heck out of Fairy Bachelor. Oh my god. Like, like and, and follow me on this. A Fairy Bachelor with, like, nine human female contestants. <gasps> Whoa! I think Holly Black already read a book about that. No, she didn't. But she's <laughs> going to. She better. Hey, Holly. Holly, we'll be in touch. We have a pitch for you. Hey, Holly, I think maybe you should consider my friend's cool book. Owen Wilson, thank you for your endorsement. Oh my god. Hello? Hey, it's me, Owen. I'm outside your house. Not today. <laughs> oh, Owen, oh you. But um, uh, really quickly, do you have any uh, parting comments or perhaps a rating you would like to give fairies? Yeah, actually, I would love to get your ratings on fairies. So first, I'm going to ask you to rate... No, actually, I know what I'm going to do. Okay. So if we're right. talking about the beautiful fairy court situation, I want you to give me your best iced tea assessment of a fairy crime scene. Okay. Okay. Here we Law go. Law and Order Fairy Folk. Go. Law and Order SFU. Law and Order Special Fairy Unit. Okay. Dun, dun. No, wait. I need a second. I need to workshop this for a minute. <laughs> all right. All right. I no, need you to let fine. me workshop Take this for time. a minute. Take your time. I'm going to just you. sit over here for a second. Okay. Okay. I need to So sit. you're telling me that this fairy <laughs> replaced a human baby with a fairy baby? <laughs> you're telling me this girl's leaving. No. <laughs> So you're telling me that these fairies danced until dawn? 
Looks like the party went a little too long. Oh, I hate it. Wait, got it. Looks like someone took dance until you drop, literally. <laughs> Looks like Tinkerbell got someone to believe in her. Oh, that's good. Looks like somebody clapped their hands because they believed. Oh, no. So you're telling me. See, look what you've done. <laughs> Law and Order Special Fairy Unit. Law and Order Special Fairy Unit. It's coming this fall. Oh, I get it. Thanks, Ice. You get it. I Actually, he's my favorite part of Law and Order SVU. Ice T, we would love to have you on the show. Please come talk to us about fairies. So that's that's my first fairy rating scale. My second fairy rating scale. Hmm. This uh-huh. is a good question. Okay. Let me see. What's the best way to rate fa- Ah, well, you know. 10 out of 10. Very good. Very fair. Very good. Hey. Okay. I feel like I can't give them a low rating or I'll get a curse or something on me. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> so you kind of already know what I'm going to say. Um, okay. Anyway. So here's my other rating. Okay. If you were... Imagine that you're creating a Tinder profile to to catch a piece of that fairy action. What would you put in your bio? Okay. Um, okay. Okay, I would put... Describe yourself to a potential fairy suitor. Okay, potential fairy suitor. Um, a girl who loves to party, but not, like, too much, but a lot. Loves to party a lot. Winky uh, face. Winky face. I hate iron. H-H-iron. <laughs> um, a lot. Love bowls of milk and honey. We'll leave them outside for you. If you want to be my honey, you'll get oh, all no. the bowls of milk and honey outside that you want. Love to grow flowers and will never build on land that is not my own and do not keep livestock. Um, <laughs> so you're going for like a very, very precautionary approach here. Okay, here's mine. Yes. Alex, 22, <laughs> quote, dance like no one is watching, end quote. Party girl spelled G R L. <laughs> Amazing. Um, loves to travel. Hashtag save the earth. Oh, I like that one a lot. Well, I would definitely have a lot of pictures of me frolicking in the woods so he knows I'm down to do that. He or she or they know I'm down to do that. And like, I'd be super barefoot in all my pictures so they know I'm like in with nature. Oh, yeah. I would you just feel? post, like, every picture of me from my Ireland um, trip. Be like, uh, if oh, and if you like it, then you should have put a fairy ring on it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Fiance. Fiance. And I think that's all the time we have for you guys today. I think today. that's going to do it for so, us. So, on that note, thanks for sticking with us, and we hope to see you around in the future. Hope we can keep you around. And, uh, yeah, stay safe out there. <laughs>